0: Chapter 1 and 2 of Captives of the Thieves Star. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Captives of the Thieves Star by James H. Schmitz. Chapter 1. Captives of the Thieves Star. A novelette by James H. Schmitz. When Pierre and Chinook grappled the derelict raw twelve they hooked a death prize haunted by the yam stalked by the mysterious nine the celebration of the wedding of Pierre and chinook had to be cut a little short because a flock of police boats from irek showed up at detector range about midway but it was carried off with a flourish nevertheless The oxygen bubble in the small moon crater was filled with colorful solidographs, creating the impression of an outdoor banquet hall. The best bands playing in the empire that night unwittingly contributed their efforts, and food and drink were beyond reproach. Though somewhat dazed throughout, Chinook was startled to discover at one point that the thick carpets on which he stood were genuine, priceless ganifornob weave, and no solidographs either. The eighty-four small ships of the Space Rat Tribe, or voyageurs as they distinctly preferred to be called, lined up along the outer edges of the banquet hall, looking eerily out of place to him. But Pierre didn't seem to mind. Her people rarely did go far away from their ships, and the lawless, precarious life they led made that an advisable practice. It would be up to him now, Chinook reflected, beaming down on Pierre. To educate her into customs and attitudes more fitting for the wife of a regular citizen of the Empire, and probable future member of the Imperial Secret Service. And then, suddenly, the whole ceremony seemed to be over. A bit puzzled by the abruptness by which everyone had begun to pack up and leave, Chinook was standing beside the ramp of his own ship, the asteroid, an honest, licensed trader when Santis strolled over to talk to him. Santis was Pierre's father and the pint-sized chieftain of the tribe. "'Didn't tell you before, son,' he remarked, "'because you were already nervous enough. "'But as soon as they finish collapsing the bubble, "'you'll have about six minutes to get your asteroid aloft "'and off this moon before the cops from a wreck arrive.'" "'I heard you, Pop. Everything's packed.'" Pierre called down from the open lock of the asteroid. "'Come up and kiss me goodbye, and we'll seal her up.' "'Frowning suspiciously, Chudak followed Santus up the ramp. "'Why should I worry about cops?' he inquired, "'looking down at the two little people while they briefly embraced. Pierre came about up to his shoulder, though perfectly formed, "'and Santus was an inch or two shorter. "'The tribe didn't run to bulk. "'Nobody's hunting for me!' "'Not yet, son,' Santis conceded. He twirled his fierce brown mustache tips thoughtfully and glanced at Pierre. "'If you're passing anywhere near old Nameless, "'you might cash that special cargo you're carrying for me there,' he told her. "'Around the foot of the mound. "'Too bulky for the ships I've got here. "'Put a dowser plate in with it. "'I'll come pick it up with a transport sometime in the next four months.' Yes, Pop," said Pierre. "The fourth voyageur fleet will rendezvous at New Gurnovan next Terra Spring. If you can talk this big lug into it, try to make it there, daughter. We'll be there," promised Pierre. Chinook cleared his throat impatiently. Not if he could help it. They wouldn't. Those cops are looking for the missing crown jewels of Irek," Santis resumed, looking at him. After they've opened you up from stem to stern to make sure you're not hiding them, they might apologize. And again, they might not. Holy satellites, Chinook said, stunned. Did you actually? Not I, son. I just mastermind these things. Some of the boys did the job. There goes the oxygen bubble. Now, will you get going? They got going, Chinook speechless for once. Some two months later, he stood in the asteroid's control room, watching a pale blur creep up along the starboard screen. That's not just one ship. That's at least a hundred, he announced presently, somewhat startled. Looks like they've turned out the entire Dardrian war fleet. Wonder what's up. Pierre laid the cargo list she was checking down on the desk and came over to look at the screen. Hmm, she said. It couldn't possibly have anything to do with us could it he inquired on a sudden alarming hunch being unfamiliar with the dialect used on Dardria, he had left most of the bargaining there to her pierre shrugged she showed the bland innocent look of a ten-year-old child but that was habitual with her on one occasion she'd been mistaken for his daughter and at times he even had to remind himself that she'd been eighteen and a student at the imperial institute of technology when he first met her there and then unwittingly became santis's tool in the abstraction of a small but important section of the iit's top-secret experimental files he'd been trying to counteract that little brigand's influence on peer ever since but he wasn't too sure of his degree of success so far. We took the Merchant's Guild for plenty on our auction, she admitted. Well, Chinook frowned, they'd hardly send a fleet after us for that. And, of course, added Pierre, we got the Duke of Dardria's famous coronet. Forgot to mention that. Perfectly legal, though. Some local crook swiped it and we took it in trade. Chinook winced. As a matter of fact, fencing was a perfectly legitimate business on Dardria, but a man who planned to enter the Imperial Secret Service as soon as he could save up the money to pay his way through the academy couldn't afford any stains on his past. Throughout the Empire, The service was renowned in song and story as the one body of men who stood above the suspicion of reproach. "'The Duke won't know it's gone for another week,' Pierre consoled him. "'Anyway, looks to me as if those ships are beginning to pull off our course.' There followed some seconds of tense observation. "'So they are,' Chinook acknowledged then. He mopped his forehead. But I wish you wouldn't be quite so technical in your interpretation of local laws, Pierre. Those babies are really traveling. Wonder who or what they're chasing. Three days later, as the asteroid approached the area of the red giant son of Old Nameless, where they were going to cash Santis's cargo for him, hot cargo probably, and it would be a load off Chinook's mind to get rid of it, they picked up the trail of the foundering spaceship Ra-12 and found part of the answer on board. Chapter 2 It seemed to me, Chinook remarked, watching the Ra-12 in the viewscreen before them, as if her drives had cut off completely just then. But they're on again now. What do you think, crew member Peer? Let's just follow her a bit, Peer suggested. I've seen ships act like that, that were just running out of juice. But this one won't even answer signals. It could be, Chinook said hopefully, a case of fair salvage. You might keep working the communicators, though. However, the raw twelve continued to ignore them while she plodded on towards the distant red glare of the nameless system like a blind, thirsty beast following its nose to a watering hole. Presently, she began a series of quavering zigzag motions, wandered aimlessly off her course, returned to it again on a few final puffs of invisible energy, and at last went drifting off through space with her drives now obviously dead. The asteroid continued to follow at a discreet distance, like a chunky vulture, watching. If there was anyone on board the Ra-12, it almost had to be a ghost. Her rear lock was wide open, and the hull showed deep scars and marks of some recent space action. But she wasn't really badly hurt, Chinook pointed out. What do you suppose could have happened to her crew? Pierre gave him a nervous grin. Maybe a space ghost came on board... "'You don't really believe those spooky voyageur stories, do you?' he said tolerantly. "'Sure I do, and so will you some day,' Pierre promised him. "'I'll tell you a few true ones just before your next sleep period.' "'No, you won't,' Chinook said firmly. "'Aside from space ghosts, though, that crate has a downright creepy look to her. "'But I suppose I'd better go over and check, as soon as she slows down enough so we can latch on.' "'and you're going to stay on the asteroid, Pier. "'In a pig's eye I am,' Pier said indignantly, "'and though Chinook wished to know if she had forgotten that he was the asteroid skipper, "'it turned out that this was one time he'd have to yield. "'Because, Channy dear,' Pierce said, her big dark eyes welling slow tears, "'I'd just die if something happened to you over there, and I was left all alone in space.' "'All you'd have to do,' Chinook said uncomfortably, "'is to head the asteroid for New Guernavan. And you know it. "'Well, you've got to promise to stay right behind me anyway.' "'Of course,' promised Pierre. the tears vanishing miraculously.' Santis says a wife should always stick with her husband in space because he might lead her into a jam all right but nothing like the beep beep jams she's likely to run into if she strays around by herself whereas ship's regulation sixty-six b says said chinook with grim satisfaction that crew-member Pierre gets her mouth washed out with soap just before the next sleep period, because of another uncontrolled lapse into vituperous profanity, and what was that comment? That one was under my breath," said Pierre, crestfallen. So it doesn't count. Without making any particular remarks about it, both of them had fastened a brace of guns to their jet harnesses, at close range, held thirty feet away against the asteroid's ring bumpers by a set of dock grapnels. The raw twelve's yawning lock looked more than ever like the black mouth of a cavern in which something was lurking for them. Chinook went over first, propelled by a single squirt of his jets, and landed a little heavier than he had intended to. Pierre, following instructions to keep right behind him, came down an instant later in the middle of his back. They got untangled hurriedly, stood up, and started swiveling their helmet beams about the raw 12 storage lock. It was practically empty. So was the big rack that had held the ship's single big lifeboat. There were some tools scattered around. They kicked at them thoughtfully, looked at each other, and started forward through an open door, up a dark passageway, switching their lights ahead and from side to side. There was a locked door which probably led into the raw twelve's engine section, and then four cabins, each of which had been used by two men. The cabins were in considerable disorder, but from what one could tell in a brief look around, each of the occupants had found time to pack up about what you would expect a man to take along when he was planning on a lifeboat trip. So whatever had happened, probably, hadn't been entirely unexpected." the mess room all tidied up was next two locked doors were at the back of it and also an open entrance to the kitchen and food storage they glanced around at everything briefly and went on to the control room it was considerably bigger than the one on the asteroid and luxuriously equipped the pilot's section was in a transparently walled little office by itself The instruments showed both Dardrian and Empire markings and instructions. Chinook switched the dead drives off first and then reached out quite automatically for the spot above the control desk where light button ought to be. Light instantly flooded the interior of the Ra-12. The intruders jumped a foot. It was as if the ship had suddenly come alive around them. Then they looked at each other and grinned. Automatic, Chinook sighed. "'Might as well do it the easy way,' Pierre admitted. She slid the off needle she'd half-drawn back into its holster. The Ra-12 had 18 fully-charged drive batteries still untouched. With some system of automatic power transfer working, she could have gone cruising along on her course for months to come. However, she hadn't been cruising, Chinook discovered next. The speed controls were set to full emergency.' An empty spaceship racing through space till the battery she was operating on went dead. He shook his head, and then Pierre was tapping his arm. Look what I found! I think it's her log. It was a flat steel box with an illuminated tape at its front end on which a date was printed. A line of spidery Dardrian script was engraved on a plate on the top of the box. Ra 12, Pierre translated. "'That's her name.' "'So it's a Dardrian ship. "'But they're using the Empire Calendar,' Chinook pointed out, "'which would make it an Empire crew. "'How do you work this thing? "'If it is her log, it might give us an idea of what's happened.' "'Afterwards, Channy, "'I just found another door leading off the other end of the control room.' "'The door opened into a second passage,' parallel to the one by which they had come forward, but only half as long and very dimly lit. Filled with uneasy speculations, Chinook forgot his own instructions and let Pierre take the lead. "'More cabins,' her voice said, just as he became aware of the wrecked door-frame out of which the light was spilling ahead of her. A woman had been using that cabin, a woman who had liked beautiful and expensive things— "'judging by what was strewn about. "'It looked, Chinook thought, "'as if she hadn't had time to finish her packing. "'Her spacesuit's gone, though,' "'Pierre's voice announced from the interior of a disordered closet. "'Chinook was inspecting the door. "'This was the first indication that there had been any violence "'connected with whatever had happened on the Raw Twelve. The door had been locked from without and literally ripped open from within by a stream of incandescence played on it by a gun, held probably not much more than a foot away. That woman had wanted out in an awful hurry. Pierre came over to watch him. He couldn't quite read her expression, but he had a notion she wanted to bawl. "'Let's take a quick look at the rest of it and get back to the asteroid,' he suggested, somewhat disturbed himself." We ought to talk this over. The one remaining cabin lay just beyond the point where the passage angled back into the ship. There was a light in that one, too, and the door was half open. Chinook got there first and pushed it open a little farther, and then he stood frozen in the door frame for a moment. What's stopping you? Pierre inquired impatiently, poking his ribs from behind. He stepped back into the passage pulled the door shut all the way, scooped her up, and heaved her to his shoulder. His space boots felt like iron anchors as he clunk clunked hastily back through the passages to the derelict's lock. There was nothing definite to run from anymore, but he knew now what had happened on the Raw 12, and he felt nightmare pacing after him all the way. He crossed to the asteroid's control room lock in a jump, Without bothering with his jets, close the outer lock. He told Pierre hoarsely, reaching up for the switch marked "decontaminant" above him. A fourfold spray of yellowish kill-all was misting the trapped air in the lock about them. An instant later, what was it? Pierre's voice came out of the fog. Antibiotic, Chanuk said, his scalp still crawling. What you? What voyageurs call a lich, I think. I don't know that kind, but it got the guy in the last cabin. The occupant of the last cabin had looked as if somebody had used a particularly vicious sort of acid gun on him, which somehow had missed damaging his clothing. To the grisly class of life-forms that produced that effect, an ordinary spacesuit offered exactly no resistance a lich can't last more than an hour or so in space channy pierre's voice came shakily after a pause it's a pretty awful way to get it but that stuff over there must have been dead for a long time now i know said chinook he hesitated and then cut off the kill-all spray and started the blowers to clear the lock I, i guess i just panicked for a moment "'But I'm going over that ship with decontaminant before we do any more investigating. "'And meanwhile, you better get in a few hours of sleep.' "'Wouldn't hurt any,' Pierre agreed. "'How do you suppose the lich got on board?' "'He could tell her that. "'He'd seen a heavy steel-framed glassite container in a corner of the cabin. "'Opened. "'They must have been transporting some virulent form of antibiotic. "'And there might have been an accident.' five hours later they had come to the conclusion that it had been no accident four hours of that time chinook had been engaged in disinfecting the raw twelve even her engine sections he'd given the one man left on board space burial in one of the asteroid's steel cargo crates the crate hadn't been launched very far and presently hung suspended some eighty yards above the two ships visible as a black oblong that obscured the stars behind it. It and its contents were one of the reasons Chinook was anxious to get done with the job of salvaging the Raw 12 She was a streamlined, beautiful ship, but after what had happened, he knew he would never be able to work up any liking for her. She seemed to be waiting, sullenly and silently, for a chance to deal with the two humans who had dared come on board her again. He sealed her up presently, filled her with a fresh air mix, and, having once more checked everything he could think of, let Pierre come over again for a final briefing on their run to Old Nameless. Pierre wandered promptly into the cabin where the dead man had been, and there, discovered the wall safe. End of chapters 1 and 2